Welcome to All You Need to Know, the show where you hear about Star Wars and learn about Star Wars. Here are your hosts, Quinn Eaton and DJ Pig. All right, welcome to the All You Need to Know Star Wars special. So this is not going to be episode 153 or anything like that. It is just a standalone Star Wars special. And I got DJ out of here and I brought in two resident Star Wars experts. We've got Edward Marlowe. Uh, from the Paducah Sun, so you could say you're a sports and Star Wars expert. And then you've got Thad Buchanan, who uh, you could say is a super fan of Star Wars. So if you guys want to introduce yourselves a little bit and uh, kind of, I don't know, back up your resume as far as why you are equipped and qualified to talk about Star Wars to this extent. And I'll see the floor to you first. Okay, uh, awesome. One Jedi to another. Absolutely. So I watched the, uh, as a kid, my dad had a friend who gave me the VHS tapes of the original trilogy, all right? And I was told, instructed at a young age to watch four, five, and six first. And then one and two, one came out about when I was like born, right? Yeah. So I watched it because it was already there on VHS. And then two came out, I was really little. And then I got to go to the theaters to see three, which is awesome. I went like three times, right, to see episode three. Uh, yeah. You know, I've seen the new ones. But anyway, I've watched the movies, but I'm, of course I go way beyond the movies. I've probably played every video game that's ever had it. Um, I, I like to dig deep into the lore. All right, now, have I read every lore, you know, every extended universe book? No, I haven't. But if I don't, I read about it and I find out what it was about. Uh, I, I watch videos all the time. And really, how I back it up is I have way too much free time. And I, I happen to put that free time into, into Star Wars because it's one of those top three franchises in my life, you know, next to Lord of the Rings and sure. maybe Harry Potter, Harry Potter lower, but whatever. And Ed? Yeah, so I'm kind of the same way. Uh, I was born in 1985, so that's three years after, you know, two and a half, three years after the release of Return of the Jedi. So when I saw A New Hope was the first time in 1990. Um, you know, so I, of course, I grew up with special edition Star Wars, which was the remake uh, of the original trilogy and I say the remake just the extra nuances and touches so on and so forth and then of course I saw all three of the prequels uh, in the movie theater uh, I was on the, I was at the world premiere for Force Awakens and The Last Jedi uh, in Orlando uh, which was like a red carpet event super amazing super awesome I have mixed feelings about the sequels just like everybody else does uh, but I too have probably taken more enjoyment into the nuances, uh, of Star Wars. Uh, some of the different storylines that are outside of the Skywalker saga. I love Knights of the Old Republic one and two, the video game series, uh, would love for them to make Knights three, uh, like that. I've built my own lightsaber. Uh, we'll get to that at some point. Uh, but, uh, Rise of the Resistance is one of my favorite rides at Disney. I strongly recommend it to everybody and, yeah, my Star Wars resume, you know, really doesn't know many bounds. I've read several books and I have several more to read. So it's an ongoing saga that never ends. And that's my favorite thing about it. Well, that's great. And I just want to point out, uh, this will only be released as a audio format, but Ed and Thad both showed up to the Zoom wearing Star Wars shirts. I'm the only one that does not have a Star Wars shirt on. I feel left out. They also uh, were showing off their lightsabers to each other. I know that that doesn't sound entirely correct or right but um just we're talking about star wars in general so that should kind of support the fact of what i just said but we've got a lot to get to 
Um, I personally love Star Wars. I got a little late into it um, in my life. I was probably around 16 years old whenever I really started to watch some of them. I had seen like uh, this from the prequel trilogies. I had seen like the first and the third, and then I had played a couple Star Wars video games. I was aware Star Wars Battlefront on play my PlayStation 2. I used to play it all the time. Um, so I've really kind of uh, in the in the last uh, latter part of my life, I've been really diving into all the Star Wars stuff. I really enjoy it. And so I don't feel as qualified to talk about it as you guys, but I'm glad that you're here. That's why I brought you guys in. So we've got a lot of talking points. We're going to cover uh, Star Wars in layman's terms. We're going to talk about kind of the range of fans that Star Wars has. Uh, we'll hit the original trilogy. We'll hit the prequels. We'll hit the sequels. Okay. So we're going to go in the exact order that Star Wars was released. We got to talk about the Mandalorian. You can't talk about Star Wars now without the Mandalorian. And then we'll talk a little bit about what we believe is the future of Star Wars, the new shows, potential movies and things like that. But before we get to everything, if someone is listening and they've never seen Star Wars before, which we might have some spoilers in here if that's the case. Uh, so I would, <laughs> highly, I would highly recommend if you were listening and you've never seen a Star Wars movie, maybe go do that first. It might take, I don't know what, 24 hours to watch everything that you would need to see. So it wouldn't take that long. Um, but what, how would you guys describe Star Wars if there was just someone that had never seen it? Ed, why don't you take that one first? I think for me, oh, wow. It's such, a, it's such an all-encompassing story. It obviously starts with the Skywalker family. Um, it, it starts there. That was the original nugget, the original truth. Uh, that George Lucas wanted to work with in the late 60s and the early 70s. But from there, it has spun into an entire galaxy of creatures, uh, of spaceships, of lasers, of love, despair, magical forces. But, you know, we'll talk a little bit about it later. Sometimes even the best Star Wars stories aren't don't involve a lightsaber. So, you know, even then, um, Star Wars to me, in layman's terms, is a family story that starts with the Skywalker saga and then branches thousands and thousands of years around all of that. It's a family tree, but there's so much more. Mm, very good. That can you top that or uh, no? That's it? tough. That's tough. I was I, what I would say is what makes it great and why what it is is it is it is a universe built in and out of, of characters and just literally anything you can set your imagination to, which is awesome. I think this is a weird comparison, like. I talked about like, I love like the Lord of the Rings as well. And I think what's special about those is you have a guy who was able to Tolkien, he wrote these books, he created this universe, right? It was awesome. And the movies came later after the books were written basically. And we have some manuscripts, whatever, but the guy passed away sadly, but you have Lucas, right? Who is a guy that's still alive. And he was able to create the same thing as massive world of it just in my, you know, so much story and lore and whatever. And he's still here and he did it through movies first kind of thing and then expanded with books and, and, and such. And we have just this, it's and the best part is he's, he's alive still. So we can literally have endless possibilities that are still coming. It's just this, this never ending range of stories in a universe. That's just literally anything coming to it. And that's, what's awesome about it. And the only, the only thing for me that's hard to believe a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, you know, that's just, I feel like an easy scapegoat just to kind of set everything up to where you're like, okay, maybe this could happen a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away because it's not going to happen here. Um, it would be cool to have this sort of technology and things like that that are uh, showcased in the Star Wars movies. Um, but I think one thing that's really cool about this story is it's connected so many people. 
specifically you two today, Ed and Thad, you guys have never met each other before, uh, but you guys could probably talk about Star Wars for, you know, hours on end, and that could be the main topic. And so there's this whole range of fans that, that follow Star Wars. Uh, for me, I would probably fall somewhere in the middle. Uh, I know enough about it to where I could carry on a conversation, but I'm not, I haven't built my own lightsaber. I would like to. Um, would, would I be the type of person to see the price that it takes to build your own lightsaber at Disney world and say, maybe I don't need that. I, I don't know. Okay. Until I get in that situation, I can't answer that question, but you guys are clearly die hard. You love star Wars. <coughs> you've gone to Disney. Uh, you've built your own lightsabers and things like that. And then there are some people, not a lot of people, but there are some people that just don't like it. They're like, Oh, that's stupid. I'm not going to waste my time with that. Um, my dad is a good example of someone that's in between like where I am and that person that I just mentioned where they've seen some of the movies and all they do is they just watch it and they're like, okay, that was pretty good. And then they just kind of go on with their lives. It's not a big, you know, they're not uh, searching for more star Wars content after that. They're just like, okay, that was a good movie or that was a good show. And that's enough for me. But the range of fans, Ed, how can you kind of describe the, the impact that these movies and this whole universe has had on so many people? I think the word fanatic is probably uh, really well used in this situation. As a sports reporter, I see it all the time, the range of fans from, oh, I'm glad I'm at a sporting event to I'm ready to rip, you know, coaches, you know, you know what off. So, you know, I think Star Wars fans are different. You have, if you go back and you look at the prequels, I mean, there was such vitriol even with the prequels back in the mid 90s and early 2000s that, I mean, they caused some, you know, some actors and actresses to just really rethink their career. Uh, and we're having that happen now with the sequels. So I, I think there is a wide range of people that could just take it or leave it. And the people that are just like, no, Lucas and Kathleen Kennedy and Disney, this is not what Star Wars was supposed to be. So I, I have my own opinions. I, 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 I have certain things that I feel extremely strong about in the Star Wars universe. But I would probably dial myself down back just a little bit, not much, but a little bit uh, in the absolute craziness of Star Wars. Right. So. And Thad, you've, you said that you were kind of uh, introduced to the whole Star Wars universe by family. Uh, is that something that you would kind of credit to your fandom is, you know, having other people influence you to start getting into the Star Wars stuff? Yeah. Well, what's, what's, what's crazy about it is it, it, my dad, my parents have watched them, but it wasn't them. It was my dad's friend. Right. So this is something that, I've had a relationship with this guy that started because of this. He also threw me Indiana Jones and all these movies. I was young, whatever, but like, it's one of those things that I have my parents, but it's really been a thing that it's just like people I don't know, right. That can be a first talking point with people. And that's a franchise. It's a fantasy thing. And I think that's, what's awesome about it is because when you look at different fans, it's some of them, you know, some people are just like, they just want action. Right. So they might watch these movies and only like some because they just like the action. Right. I'm a big, I'm a big like characters and writing kind of guy. Like I love like good plots, good characters. I love action too. So you just have those differences between the people who will watch those movies because of the action, the people who watch it because of the story. And I think since it's so big and has so many parts to it, there's enough for a lot of people. I think that's what makes it big and easy to talk about with people because there's so much <laughs> there. And I think it's been a cool thing to experience that with other people as well. And that, that's, that's actually a really good point. And um, it had to get started somewhere, right? So that very first movie that came out in the original trilogy, okay? It wasn't even titled A New Hope, right? They went back and named it at a later point whenever they, I mean, do you think that whenever George Lucas started all of this, he envisioned it becoming this big or was it just focused on that one movie that he, that he kind of wanted to tell a story? 
I think he originally wanted to tell the trilogy because he had already, he's talked a lot about how he, he, he even named the episodes four, five, and six intentionally uh, because he knew that there was a, this background story, uh, you know, this young farm boy pre-Luke who, you know, who was strong with the force and, and was a slave and, you know, falls into the wrong hands and the wrong ideas of the empire and Emperor Palpatine who, by the way, continues to look at look as the most sinister evil man of all time. And we, we, we put Darth Vader in that pantheon of evil. Uh, Shiv, Shiv Palpatine is probably the worst bad guy uh, to ever exist. And we're only going to find out more about him as the saga continues. But, you know, you, you talk about that original storyline. Yeah, it starts with a farm, bo- farm, bo- uh, farm boy, excuse me, uh, that was originally named Starkiller, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now has evolved into so many different webs and a galaxy far, far away and a long time ago. It just, there are so many millions and millions of years of story that you can tell. Uh, and I think Lucas originally knew that when he planted the seed on Tatooine. And one thing that I really enjoy is like, like I mentioned the, that first movie that came out and I think, uh, 19, 1977 or or somewhere around there um 77 yeah okay so i was right um they you know before it was just the original star wars movie but they started saying star wars and then there'd be you know a, a semicolon and then it would be you know that that title of the movie they absolutely every single time nail that little title that they put with star wars i mean with the original trilogy you've got a new hope the empire strikes back Return of the Jedi, okay? So it, it kind of sets up. Like, you know what the movie's going to be about, or you know sort of where what direction it's going to go in, but it doesn't give too much away. And I, I really enjoy uh, – for that's just a simple pleasure for me. Whenever I see the Star Wars movies, they're all named, uh, I think, very elegantly. Um, but let's talk a little bit about that original trilogy because I mentioned you've got A New Hope, you've got The Empire Strikes Back, you've got The Return of the Jedi. Um, out of those three – is there one that stands out? Of course, the New Hope's going to be, you know, that very first one. But a lot of people, I think, would struggle if they're not a Star Wars fan to go back and kind of watch some of those. Uh, a lot of people say they're slower. Um, you know, that you said you like the storyline a little bit more. And th- those are really for those Star Wars fans that value the storyline. Um, but w- what really stands out to you guys in the original trilogies? That you can go ahead. Um, I think I think I've grown up in the sense that I watched those first, right? And, but I grew up in the generation of the prequels. And for a little bit, I wanted to be really prideful about, I'm going to stick to the prequels are my favorite because that's my generation. But then I just got to the end where I was like, I love Star Wars. I love, the original trilogy is the original trilogy. I love it. Um, I think a couple things, why I love it, what makes it good. Um, as a Star Wars fan, it's easy to watch for me, right? But like when I'm trying to watch it, my wife, like I have to give a description before we get into, hey, this was made in the 70s. Like, I know you've seen these, the new trilogy, like that looks like modern, like it's, it's, but if, as someone who likes character and stories, it's easy for me. And I love that. I love watching it, knowing that it's, you know, as itself, it was like one of the original stories of that underdog type, you know, just like good versus evil, that basic storyline that so many people base their movies and things off of. And, you know, I love, I'd be crazy if I didn't say I love Empire Strikes Back. One, re- a couple of reasons is because of the attachment to it. Um, a, a year or two ago, uh, I was, it was awesome. Uh, me and my wife, we went to go see it with the orchestra playing, uh, where they kind of like all the music was cut out. They showed the film, they had like a live orchestra it makes it like amazing to watch and I have a vinyl that is like the whole movie, like through audio. 
anyway, just things like that. Empire Strikes Back was just, it was awesome uh, because it was just like, they, you know, sequels these days, I feel like sequels never turn out. But Star Wars did a great job of building off in that original trilogy and that story. It didn't, it didn't expand itself too much in those three movies. It stayed central to a group of people and a story, uh, but yet a lot was built off of it. It's just an original good story, that original good versus evil. It's just, it's simple, but at the same time, it, it gets complex. I love that. I don't even know if that was a question, Quinn. It was good. Yeah. Go ahead, Ed. No, 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 that was solid. I, uh, I grew to love Return of the Jedi more than anything in the original trilogy, so much so that I own a widescreen edition of it because I'm a movie snob. And I also own a full screen edition of it. Plus, I also have it in special edition. So uh, I also have it on <laughs> DVD and Blu-ray. So Return of the Jedi for me now, I, I've grown as I've gotten older, I have grown to love Empire Strikes Back more. Uh, because of just the struggle. I mean, you have, uh, well, you have Darth Vader really come into his own. I mean, because he really, Darth really doesn't do that much in A New Hope. I mean, yeah, he, he strikes down an Obi-Wan Kenobi. He flies down, you know, a Death Star trench and puts a couple pot shots into, you know, into, into Luke and, and all that jazz. And then, you know, the Millennium Falcon kind of comes in and, and catches him off guard. But, you know, spoiler. On Solo saves right. the day. Yeah, spoilers. Right? Yes, but you get you get to Return of the Jedi, and it's just the coming of age of Luke Skywalker. I mean, you sort of had that in Empire Strikes Back, where he's like, "Oh, hey, I'm a Jedi, and I, I need to go to Cloud City and confront Vader, and you know, and whatnot, and save my friends." But Return of the Jedi really is the full coming of age and the redemptive story of Anakin Skywalker. Uh, and that's why for me, I've always, and I know I could digress into, you know, maybe the Ewoks weren't the greatest on, on indoor and, and maybe they're that crazy. I, I, I like them. <laughs> I'm just saying in the eighties, this is actually a thing. Like in the late eighties, like basically he admitted like George Lucas admitted, Oh, Hey, I was going to do, I was going to do Wookiees on Kashyyyk, but it was just too much. And Ewoks are great toys. But he just kind of straight up said that. But I like I I love Warwick Davis, you know, who plays uh, Wicket. So I I I love the Ewoks. But uh, generally speaking, there in the early '80s, Ewoks weren't exactly well taken, uh, you know, by hardcore Star Wars fans. And we we just talked about fandom and you know how people are just like, oh, that's crazy. Why would you just have little silly bears all over a planet? But Ewoks are awesome. And Return of the Jedi for me uh, is just the perfect, perfect movie, the balance between the action um, and the saga that is the Skywalker family. You learn so much. You learn about Princess Leia, Organa being Luke's sister. You learn about, you know, her actual love for Luke this entire time. Hasn't, it's been familial. I mean, yeah, we had the awkward kiss and Empire Strikes Back, but that was the point. It, It was awkward. And we find out later why, because she loved him like a brother and not like, you know, a romantic partner. And so, you know, her and Han Solo's relationship really develops in Return of the Jedi. Um, Return of the Jedi is a love story. I, I don't care what anybody says. It is an, it is absolutely a love story that just so happens to have the battle for Endor uh, and Jabba's palace all mixed up into one. I, I think out of the three, Return of the Jedi is most likely my favorite. Um, I think the Ewoks uh, were maybe taken uh, a little 
a little, you know, not, not a fan favorite uh, because it seemed like a, you know, like a really easy gag, like, Oh, you know, George Lucas is putting this in for laughs. And so um, it might've even pulled in other people that weren't star Wars fans. I'm not really sure what the intention of the Ewoks were. Um, But with star Wars that kind of mentioned it earlier, um, groundbreaking cinema, right? Uh, The technology and the sci-fi that they were able to pull off in a time where that stuff was, was not really being developed. Um, You can, you, you have to, sit back and watch those and appreciate how good uh, those turned out and how well they stand up today. Of course, the newer Star Wars movies, I mean, you, you could say that the, the, the prequel trilogy is even cornier than I think the original uh, trilogy as far as the technology that they tried to uh, you know, input with uh, everything that had to do with the movie. But one thing I will say about Star Wars is whenever you're watching it, you can't ask a lot of questions and you have to leave a little uh, bit of like common sense and well, how does that work out of it? But I think that's with any movie, but specifically what I'm talking about, I mean, they built the the death star in a new hope. They blew it up. Correct. Mm-hmm. Then they built another one and it was able to also be blown up uh, in I'm, I'm, I'm thinking the return. Of the Everything's got to blow up Quinn. Everything can, anything can blow up. So, but, but the common person might say, well, why did they build the exact same thing again and still leave that major flaw? Uh, why would you not, you know, I think even in the, I don't know if anyone's ever seen the family guy parodies of the original trilogy, but, uh, they're good. They are really good. They're very well done. Uh, you can tell that Seth MacFarlane, the creator of family guy really appreciates star Wars. And he, he made sure to, as he was parodying, actually kind of compliment it. But, um, I remember in that one, they were like, can we not put like a two by four over that hole that, you know, allows the Death Star to be blown to pieces. Um, so that, that those are some things uh, how stormtroopers cannot hit a shot. Um, it's, it's something that uh, I remember, in, you know, still to this day with the new stuff that's coming out. Absolutely terrible shot. There's no training apparently for stormtroopers. Um, there are, there's no clearance as far as, oh, you have to be able to shoot this well or you have to be able to work this th- th- this way, you know. Uh, but that's that's part of every movie. I think you can't ask too many questions, and that's I think that's kind of a, a simplistic thing about Star Wars, and it actually kind of allows the good guys to have an upper hand. It seems like, but the original trilogy is is classic. I love all I love all of them. Uh, Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. I think it starts to really come into Star Wars. Uh, a New Hope is great just because it is that first one. Um, but then you know after that that third uh, original movie Return of the Jedi in 1983, then they go back and do the prequels, right? So you've got uh, The Phantom Menace uh, in 1999, then you've got Attack of the Clones in 2002, and then Revenge of the Jedi, or Revenge of the Sith, excuse me, uh, in 2005. How do you guys feel about the prequels? Because those are always conceived as uh, probably the worst uh, of, of the Star Wars movies. Personally, I'll go ahead and say that Revenge of the Sith is up there with my favorites. I mean, I, I think that that one's really hard to beat. Um, just recently, I've read stuff about corny dialogue in the prequels. So, uh, Ed, what do you think about the prequels? I mean, you, you kind of got to see them as they came out. Thad and I were, were still kind of growing up, but you were able to kind of watch them and appreciate them whenever they first came out, right? So, I, absolutely. First of all, when you said Revenge of the, Jed- Revenge of the Jedi, Return of the Jedi was originally called Revenge of the Jedi. Uh, you can actually still obtain uh, very, very expensive relics uh, of Revenge of the Jedi materials that were released before they decided to change the name. So that's just kind of a cool, yeah. I know you were, it was a slip there. It was accidental, yeah. It was absolutely part of the saga and Lucas rewrote the concept thinking that Jedi wouldn't be seeking revenge. So 
Um, even though in Empire Strikes Back, they got their ass kicked. So uh, revenge seemed natural, but Jedi don't seek that way. That being said, uh, I, I, the prequel trilogy really does get a really, really bad rap. And not just because of some corny dialogue. Like, I hate sand. I mean, look great. Thanks, Anakin. That's that's terrific. What a what a wonderful nugget. But I think for me, two things that get really really lost in the shuffle uh, was one the amount of technological advancement that Star Wars was able to make in cinema. I mean, the Academy Award for for sound went to the Phantom Menace because of how good the pod race was. Like when you're in the theater. And you're watching the like I remember watching the pod race and thinking I was in the pod race. Like Ben Quadraneros when all four of his like pods explode and it's in four different directions inside of the theater. It was unbelievable. Um, the prequels really do get a bad rap, but there are some true golden nuggets of storylines. Uh, Yoda specifically, I think, really develops in the prequels, uh, which of course spins off into Clone Wars. Uh, his relationship with the Wookiees is so muted in the movies because they had so many things to talk about. But his relationship with the Wookiees is one of the things that's going to drive future content even now in 2020. Um, he had a previous relationship with Chewbacca, which has been more developed in recent years with the release of Solo and, of course, him taking on more of a role uh, in these sequels. Uh, rest in peace, uh, Pete, uh, Peter Mayhew. Mm-hmm. Um there's just so many different great things about the sequels, but or the prequels, excuse me, but the negative connotation sometimes with the, with some of the lore gets a little hazy with, uh, with uh, Palpatine. And then I think something else that's unfair now that I've gotten to go back and watch it more as an adult is Jar Jar Binks. And Jar Jar just, Ahmed Best did such a great job with a character that maybe wasn't as terrifically written as it should have been. But Jar Jar is an unfortunate foil in a situation where they were just looking for a foil and they pinned it all on him. And I just didn't think that was fair. The Gungans were actually really awesome. The idea, yes, of course, is is, is very interesting. Uh, but that was, I remember um, even watching the prequels, you can see the first one came out. There was a lot of Jar Jar Binks. People said that is way too much Jar Jar Binks. And then he's dialed back in the story is in the second and third, but that uh, your first thoughts on, on the prequels. Cause I mean, just looking at it from the outside, like even with all of this uh, criticism of corny dialogue, there are a lot of very talented actors and actresses. You've got Natalie Portman. Uh, you've got um, Ewan McGregor as uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, one of my favorite characters of all time. Um, Qui-Gon Jinn played by Liam Neeson. Like you've got a very star studded cast. So uh, what are your initial thoughts on the prequels? I'm going to, I'm going to drop a bomb here. All right. Okay. And that is to me always has been, no matter how many people fight about always will be very unpopular opinion. Phantom Menace is the best prequel. And here's why. All right. It, the prequels get, yes, they get some bad rats, but I don't think my biggest regret in life was not being born in the sixties. If I've been born in the sixties and getting to see it all start to finish, man, I think watching that first prequel, no matter how corny would have been awesome, right? This is the first time we watched four five and six. We see, you know, Luke as the Jedi, as the only real Jedi. We got an old man, Ben Kenobi. We got an old Yoda who never was a lightsaber. We see Luke as the only Jedi. This is the first time we see what the Jedi was in its prime. We never really get to see Luke because he's kind of more self-taught. And we get to see just that whole time of, you know, those years between the original trilogy and prequels. This is what 
George Leakes imagined when he thought of what the Jedi were like back then. We get to see that. We can see a fight. Uh, Darth Maul's one of my favorite villains. So he's in that movie, which makes me love Phantom Menace. Uh, Qui-Gon Jinn is my favorite Star Wars character. Uh, he's, he's my favorite. Um, his importance to the saga is, is very um, underrated. Uh, the, the battle between Obi-Wan Kenobi, Qui-Gon Jinn, Darth Maul, I think is the best lightsaber fight in all of Star Wars. And it was the first, I love Anakin versus Obi-Wan, but that was the best one, I think. And the meaning behind that fight and the importance of Qui-Gon's death versus if, they, if Obi-Wan had died versus if they had beat Maul, I think, is, I think the whole trilogy changes if Qui-Gon does not die there. I think all of that is so important. The Duel of Fates is the best set music I think Star Wars ever did. Uh, between the, that and Darth Vader's The Emperor's March or whatever. Is it Emperor's March? Mm-hmm. Sure. Yes. Besides that, uh, it's tough. Anyway, then you get episode two, yeah, uh, a little more love in there, but I think you give us that one nugget of Yoda fighting Dooku, which gives us that we've always wanted to know how powerful did Yoda, how powerful was Yoda in the original trilogy? What was he going to be like? We get to finally see him in action after all those years of people waiting. Awesome. And then Revenge of the Sith, I think is awesome. It is still great. I think it's still an awesome movie. And it gives us just that, you know, we know it's going to happen. It's one of the movies you like, if you watch the other ones, you know, it's going to happen, but just watching it happen, it, it's like you still think you can change it. Every time I watch that movie, I still think maybe it's not going to go down that way. Like, I think of these one or two pivotal moments that could have changed everything. I just think because of that, they're still awesome movies. That last probably <laughs> 30 minutes of uh, Revenge of the Sith, that lightsaber battle um, between Obi-Wan and Anakin, and, uh, you know, Obi-Wan says, I've got the high ground, Anakin. And it's just something that, you know, sometimes if I'm just like kind of feeling down, I'll, I'll type in uh, Obi-Wan Anakin lightsaber battle. And I'll just watch that uh, because it's, it's like, even, even for me, I wouldn't say I'm a super fan or anything, but it's, it's just crazy. Like, I guess that, that inner nerd in me, I mean, I'm a nerd anyway, so I won't say inner nerd. The nerd in me just comes out whenever I watch a lightsaber battle between those two. Um, and all of the, like I said, all the actors and actresses, you've got Samuel L. Jackson as Mace Windu, which I think is kind of lost in the prequels. I think he did a fantastic job. And it seems like in the Star Wars universe, spoiler alert, that even whenever you get thrown down a big uh, shaft in a spaceship or you get thrown out a window, you might not be dead. So that's always been something that I've kind of looked to, uh, you know, Mace Windu coming back at some point. I know Samuel L. Jackson is getting a little bit older, but I'm sure he wouldn't mind to reprise his role. So um, the prequels get a bad rap. Um, and I'm not entirely sure why, I guess it's, I guess it's whenever you compare them to the original trilogy, that, that there's always that comparison. And it's, it's interesting that we are now at the point where we've had the original trilogy, we've got the prequels and we've got the sequels because they're all compared with one another. Um, like that said, uh, we both kind of grew up with the prequels. Um, and, and those are some of my favorites. The second one, uh, order 66, um, definitely a pivotal part in star wars but for me i was always like i don't know about you guys but i was like that seems just like a really easy way to like get rid of a bunch of jedi like you wanted jedi there you wanted to show them that they used to be this and then you had to figure out a way to get rid of them because in the original trilogy there aren't a lot left i mean i don't know how you guys feel about that (coughs) i think for me it's tough because they are supposed to be extremely, extremely powerful. Even some of the Padawans are supposed to have gained a lot of strength. But I think that's what lends a lot of credence to how powerful Darth Vader was because he spent 25 years after Order 66, essentially, 
hunting them down. And, and I mean, it was his, like, that was his job. He woke up, he clocked in. Hey, Palpatine, sure. how you doing? You know, uh, what can I do for you today? Hey, there's more, you know, I'm going to clock back in. I've got some Jedi on Mustafar that I've got to go hunt down. Uh, and here's where I'm going to build my castle. You know, that's mm-hmm. basically what, you know, what Vader did for 25 years. And if your job was basically Jedi assassin to hunt down, you know, everything in the galaxy, well, then I guess thinning them out makes sense. But I think something that doesn't get painted super, super well in the prequels is just how massive the Republic Army was uh, when, when, when Senator Palpatine at the time took over. Um, and and the, the clone situation uh, is astronomical. I mean, hundreds of thousands of clones were created uh, that's why we got the Clone Wars, you know, uh, as far as a cartoon series is concerned. So I, it's just it does sound too standoffish, you know, with with with, with Jedi just being off left and right with Order 66. But that's kind of one of my favorite parts of the prequel trilogy is Yoda recognizing this happening in real time when he looks at you and he's like, yo, dude, I, you got to put me on your back. We got to get the hell out of here that's not what they say the dialogue's a yeah. little better than that but that's that's basically what happens like yoda realizes something drastic has has happened in the dna of their army and they escape kashik uh with uh, minimal casualties there so uh it's tough though i mean it, you, you talked about that suspension of disbelief uh and the suspension of belief it's both you, you've got to find a way to mold the middle you talked about also, I wanted to hark back on this just for a split second. You mentioned the slight disdain for the prequels. I think some of it just deals with continuity. You take a look at Revenge of the, you know, Revenge of the Sith and Vader screams out no. One of the premier moments of the of the original, you know, of the of the of those prequels is Vader screaming no at the end of Revenge of the Sith when he comes alive as a, basically a Frankenstein, as a robot. Go back to Return of the Jedi, and Princess Leia mentions that she remembers her mother fondly, uh, but just mainly, mainly as memories and things like that. Even though we know Padme died before Anakin, you know, saw her. So yeah. there's just little things. Now you can come back and say, okay, well, Bail Organa, just played by Jimmy Smith of West Wing is the best. Uh, you know, Bail Organa nurtured Leia in a wonderful life in Alderaan, and another woman passed away in Leia's childhood that she thinks maybe was her mother. There's there's so many different fixes to all of that. But sure, yeah. I think that's, to the hardcore Star Wars nerd, those are the things that frustrate people about the prequels. But to the casual observer, it's beautiful. And you can still tell the story in a seamless way. Um, I think I could now I think it's a great answer about the prequels the problems is just like some continuity it's like there's there was so much to do and I guess you just can't get everything perfect in the right world I just wish he would have the things I think he didn't do like he messed up I just want to be like those were easy fixes but there was so much to do to the order 66 thing Quinn I would just say that the only thing why I like that I understand what you mean like it's kind of it could be a cop-out what I did like about that though how he did it was I felt like in the original trilogies, before I even watched the prequels, there was always like this kind of weird sadness about the Jedi being gone. Like we didn't even know any of them besides the ones we saw. It was kind of just like this, ah, like that stinks. Apparently they were good people, whatever. And I think that just makes it even better in 66 that you have these people who, were they good? Eh, we don't know. We'll talk about that, I'm sure. 
but that you see them and the Clone Wars show does a great job of this, but just like showing this camaraderie that they had with people around them and knowing that even though they were some flawed people, they like had love for other people and relationships. And the fact that the way they did go out was from things that someone they trusted, I think that makes it even more of a tragedy. Like it just felt like a tragedy in the original trilogy. And I feel like he made it more tragic that it wasn't just like this dark side guy killed them all like Vader did, but that the initial killing was from those that they trusted fought side by side with the thing that just added that tragedy. Right. And with the prequels, there are some continuity issues, but all in all, I feel like it does a really good job of kind of tying a bow on how everything kind of picks up in the original trilogy. Um, I really appreciated, you know, how you, you get a backstory with that. And uh, it seems we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit later, but it now seems like instead of going back and doing prequels, now you can just kind of dive into just one character and base a show uh, on that entire thing. And I think we've seen uh, from the recent uh, development of Disney plus and the star Wars shows that are coming out on there that, people really like to just focus in on one story or, uh, you know, those separate movies from the, from the Star Wars canon, uh, Rogue One and uh, Solo, like get, getting just a, an, a really in-depth look at how things happen in the Star Wars universe that was kind of behind the scenes. Um, those are things that people really enjoy. Now, after the prequels, uh, you know, it, the, the order of everything is really interesting because it, it would always be cool to see, you know, kind of ask the question, like, what if they just would have gone in order? What if they would have done those first three movies uh, you know, the Phantom Menace and all that in the 70s and then kind of came in, uh, you know, and, and, and did the uh, the original trilogy in the early 2000s, like telling the story in order. But I think the way that it's done is very uh, elegant and it really comes together nicely. But then you've got the sequel trilogy, right? It's caused a lot of uproar. A lot of Star Wars fans uh, have mixed feelings about it. Um, how do you guys feel? I mean, I I personally think that if you watch it, and, it, and it's really hard to do because within that sequel trilogy, they tied in everything from the movies prior. But if you just watch that as its own standalone type, uh, you know, three movies, it kind of helps, but it really, it still, there are, the, the movies don't seem as connected as the original trilogy and the prequel. So how do you feel about the, the sequel trilogy, Ed? Oh, uh, the sequel trilogy, I, I have mixed feelings. I, it's really, it's really probably the best way to put it. Um, did you feel I did, got off to a good start? I mean, whenever, whenever the force awakens, cause you've got with the sequels, you've got the force awakens, you've got the last Jedi and then the rise of Skywalker. Do you feel like it got off on a good start and then it lost its way or was it, was it gone from the very beginning? I think the tough part about it is that there were just, I, I think there were some storyboard issues. I think they had different ideas I think that they were like, yo, JJ, we're going to go this way. And then Johnson, they were like, we're, right, we're going to go this way. And then they were like, well, let's just bring JJ back. And it kind of loses. It's, it's like a trail that goes around a lake and then like there's a bridge, but then there's rocks. And then you kind of have to make your own path over here. But then it all still kind of somewhat comes together in this beautiful campground. I, I don't know if that's a good way to put it, but. That makes sense. Yeah. It, it has beautiful moments and I don't despise it because the beautiful thing about star Wars is that it's never complete. That is the one thing that I tell people all day long. Like if you didn't like it, well, there's still more story to be told. They're still going to be able to like poke away at it. It's a house that's never built. Uh, and that's the beautiful thing about star Wars, but uh, the original story does the original, like, like, base of the pyramid work well eh. um i liked force awakens 
uh, I liked The Last Jedi and I liked uh, The Rise of Skywalker, but together, I'm not sure they're married uh, as well as they could be. And, and it, and I think it did start with Force Awakens because you had this hope that Finn was going to be this specific guy, and Poe was going to be this specific guy, and 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 Kylo and and Ray were going to be these specific people, and then their none of their stories really ended up where you thought they were going to be, um, which can sometimes be the beauty and the downfall uh, of Star Wars in general. Quinn, uh, to be, I hated him. I hated him, Quinn. Um, here's, hated him, strong word. Uh, Kathleen Kennedy, sorry, I hate her, okay? If I ever meet her and she's cold and I have a coat, I'm not giving it to her. And sure. I hope she listens to the show because I do not like her. Here's the thing. I don't mind when George Lucas does this and that to make a little money on toys or whatever. That's fine. He's a creator. Do whatever the heck you want. But when someone else tries to, uh, when other people try to make a cash grab on something that's not really, in my opinion, theirs at all still, whether he sold it or gave rights to somebody, I don't care. Uh, I hated that. All right, Ray is a terrible character. She sucks as a character. And, I, and I'm not saying that because I don't think there can be a strong female lead. I think there absolutely can. I think other movies, Ahsoka and Rogue One, I think all of them can show that that's a good thing. I think Ray just sucks so hard at that. Um, I, think the, I think back to the fact that we had, you know, Carrie Fisher, rest in peace, Carrie Fisher. We had her alive. We had Mark Hamill, who's still alive, Harrison Ford's still alive, and that's how we used him. We brought him back, and this is how we used him. We had a golden opportunity to have the three. We even have them all three together at one point in those whole movies. Not just give me that one little taste of them all three together. We never even had it. All right? Ray stinks. She's a terrible character. All right? In the very first movie, she wins her first fight. How stupid is that? You're I know that he was shot, and he was conflicted. I don't care. All right? You can't get your protagonist, your main protagonist, and let them win their first fight when they haven't started their journey of growing. You can't do that. How am I supposed to ever believe Ray's an underdog? She never loses ever. All right. And you might say, maybe she lost this because, you know, she said this and threw a tantrum, but was happy five minutes later. I don't give a crap. She never lost. The ninth movie sucked because the whole point was her maybe turning to the dark side. Maybe she does. Maybe she doesn't. All right. Ray never once pretended like she wanted power. So the whole point of Emperor Palpatine saying, you're going to be the Empress. You can be the Empress and have all this power. She never asked her character never once wanted power. It makes no sense at all. All right, the only, Adam Driver was the best thing that trilogy had. That's it. All right, I love. I like Kylo Definitely. Ren. The first, like I will say, it's Force Awakens. That first scene with Kylo Ren never takes the helmet off. Like him coming down, that was the best part of that movie for me because I was like, this guy's scary. He's good. He looks awesome. All right, I'm loving him. Then he took the mask off and he got you know a little character. I still like that. I like Ben Solo. Ray sucked. Um, I didn't hate the Last Jedi at first. I didn't hate it at first. I liked it a little bit because they killed Snoke, which no one expected. I thought that was different, at least. I liked it because it was different. Because right. the first one had that very close relationship to A New Hope, and I I kind of like that. Kind of didn't. Kind of me didn't like it because I was just like, we've waited all this time for a new movie, and you're just going to kind of give us that same thing. But I was okay with it in eight because I was like, they just set us up to think it was going to be the same story for it to be completely different and not go the way we thought. Because we all thought that that was like the same like Emperor's throne room scene in eight where you got like, you know, Emperor Darth Vader and Luke, but it went completely sideways and he killed the Emperor. But then he went and became his own villain. And I was like, right. I like that. That's different. We didn't expect that. Right. And then nine just said, screw it. And they brought back Palpatine, which just made no <laughs> sense. And they just, maybe all, if they were the only Star Wars I ever saw, I would say, fine. 
But the fact that they had so much lore behind it and they like retconned and made no, things make no sense. The force, I know it sounds stupid for me to say this, but it's not magic. Okay. The force is the force. All right. It's not magic. It's not a, a day UX machina where it just fixes everything. All right. There's, there's parameters to it. And that just made me so mad. Quinn, it made me so mad. And I watched it. It sounds times. like it. Yeah. And, I like, and, but, but it's still Star Wars. Your, your passion. This is it. This is it. This, this is, is it. You the have Screw It's a fresh wound. Um, and then I didn't catch it. That did you like Ray as a character, or what? No, what did you say? I'll be no? honest, okay. I hated her guts. Okay, I just and wanted I don't to make like, sure. I don't, hey, Daisy Ridley, have no problems with her. Right? I think she no did. Problems with her. She did the best she could fault. with the cards that she was dealt. Yeah. Fault. Um. Absolutely. Again, a, a good cast. I felt like uh, there was a lot there, but like we kind of mentioned before, uh, Thad went on his passion rant. Um, there didn't seem like there was a, a, a you know, a, a pathway. Like, it seems like every other Star Wars, the original trilogy, they knew where they were going. With the right. prequels, they knew that they were connecting it to that original trilogy, and it was going to get to that certain point. With these, you know, it just feels like it started, and they tried to figure it out as they went along, and they did their best to kind of bring it all together. But that last movie, uh, The Rise of Skywalker, it, it to me, it does not feel like a Star Wars movie i mean there are all the elements are there but it just something doesn't sit right and i remember a lot of people were upset about that one i think that one might actually be uh, i know a lot of people don't care about rotten tomatoes but i think that's that might be the lowest rating rated star wars besides the phantom menace but you know rotten tomatoes is subjective you can you can take what you want but I, most of the time i don't even care um this the sequels like you said uh they were they were given a lot to work with and they just they just missed I, I don't know how else to describe it. Um, like a, they're like a stormtrooper. They just missed. They just missed. missed. They, they. I had... just wish they would have told us. You know, I think that's a problem with movies because we all suspected they've had all this time that maybe they really thought this through and we were going to get all these storylines we thought were going to be. I wish they just said, "Hey, hey, coming in what was it, 2017 with the first? Uh, hey, yes. coming in 2017, a new Star Wars trilogy." But let's be honest, we don't know what the heck we're doing and where we're going to go with it. If they had told me that, then I'd been okay with it. Right. But the fact that it made me think that they had thought it through and they clearly didn't. And there are some scenes right. in there that are, are worth it. I mean, that, that in the force awakens that uh, battle in the, in the forest that that I think was alluding to with Kylo Ren's, uh, you know, red lightsaber and, you know, Finn, you know, dropping the, the lightsaber and then Ray picking it up. You know, there's, there are, there are some good moments. It looked but, good, but yeah, and it does. I mean, oh, as yeah. far as, as far that as technological advancements, yes, it, it's the best looking Star Wars trilogy. Um, but again, it's just, I, I don't know how else to describe it, but it just did not uh, get to the point where I felt like uh, the, you know, you, you do it for the fans, right? And Star Wars has, it has a strong base. It has a massive following. You would think that you would make those movies, uh, you know, with those fans in mind. And it seems like it wasn't made for the fans at all. Um, they did their best, I think, to try to make it for the fans and bring back characters and introduce surprises and bring back Palpatine, which, like we kind of mentioned, does not make a lot of sense. And it wasn't ever like I don't think there was anything in the first, you know, as far as the sequel trilogy. Uh, whenever you watch the first two, you don't. I don't think there's any like foreshadowing. Oh, Palpatine's going to come back. It just like right. the third one. It was like, oh, here's Palpatine. He showed up. He just dropped in. So it's the worst um, opening crawl. I think it's the worst opening crawl of sure. any of the Star Wars movies. But any thoughts think, on that? Well, I think for me, two things. I'll, I'll go into Palpatine for just a split second in just a moment. The one thing that I do like about the sequels 
is a struggle of Luke Skywalker. Now, I was not a huge fan of how his character was written uh, in The Last Jedi, but after recent developments in The Mandalorian, I'm starting to really think more of what's possibly would have happened from the end of Return of the Jedi to The Last Jedi, because if Luke's Academy is what we think it's going to be, whether they tell that story or not, then maybe maybe the loss of Ben Solo, you know, to him, to the dark side in that moment was so traumatic to Luke that it forced him to shut her off, basically, in Ashto. That being said, The Last Jedi, I really struggled because I had never seen Luke Skywalker as this fearful, cloistered type who would be like, no, no, Jedi is not the way, Ray, get the hell off my island kind of, you know, Clint Eastwood right. get off my lawn type situation. That being said, maybe there is more pain in Luke than we originally thought. You know, there's more, he lost, he had so much at stake with his, with his Jedi Academy and he lost it all when, you know, Ben Solo turned into Kylo Ren and, and created the Knights of Ren. But that's another thing that frustrated me about the sequels. We didn't get enough Knights of Ren. They meant nothing. I mean, they were literally just complete worthless data points. Uh, we, we, we thought that Knights of Ren were going to be extremely, extremely awesome. Instead, Ben Solo just kicks their ass in six minutes in, uh, in the end of The Rise of Skywalker. But, you know, the, the situation with Palpatine, I don't hate Palpatine at all in the trilogy. I don't, I don't, I love the fact that he has just been this, or, this pit orchestra master behind everything he is the most evil of evil but you're right you nailed it there's not any foreshadowing at all that he's the one pulling all the strings and when it got time to tell everybody hey he's been pulling all the strings they just didn't have enough cinema time to do it right you got into you got into the rise of skywalker and it was just like oh palpatine's been ex on exegol this entire time well that's great exegol is a cool planet that you know, if you really like the dark side, this is the place for you. But no one knew that except like your diehard fans. And even then, you didn't really finish out, oh, well, Palpatine was busy cloning himself. Well, in the original expanded universe, Palpatine had cloned himself. That was a thing. But no one knew that they were going to like retcon that and bring that back into the original series for new Disney fans, so to speak. So that, right. that part to me was just completely for lack of a better way of putting it, unfleshed. It was just unfleshed, much like Palpatine was in The Rise of Skywalker. And Thad, any thoughts on that? Because uh, Ed mentioned The Mandalorian, and that's our next talking point. I felt like that'd be a really good transition, but I can let you slide something in there if you wanted to. Uh, maybe maybe not as long of a passion reign as you had right. a little bit ago, but right. you could shorten yeah, yeah. it down. Right. Uh, I would just say um, I – Agree. I liked uh, – at first, I didn't like Luke's thing. I get it. I think I'm getting it a little bit now. Um, I, Palpatine, love him as a character, just wasn't the right thing for them to do with him. Um, and, you know, I'll just say that I didn't like Ray at all. Okay. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. But the movies, they weren't – they were not terrible on their own. It's just one of those things where when they made the prequels, I was okay with everything because – you know, they made the original trilogy. He had to make a story, right? He had to go back and tell right, us that absolutely. story. And he did that. 
But in these one, it just feels like it's more – I'm, I'm less okay with the fact that they're throwing us things and then later on filling in the gaps to try to make it make sense to us, right? I feel like the last few years has been that. Like they've given us something that we didn't like and we say we don't like it because of this and then they're making shows or something like that and they're trying to fill in the gaps to make it make sense. But like I don't like that now. It was okay when they made the prequels and they answered that question. I don't like it now because it was just it was dumb to begin with. We shouldn't have had it happen. And that's going to go right in the Mandalorian because that's going to be my only quarrel with the Mandalorian is going to be the so, sequel trilogy. And we'll talk about that, I'm sure. So the sequel trilogy, uh, the timing of it, um, the Mandalorian, which is a new show that's been out on Disney Plus, and it's been a sensation. I feel like people that are Star Wars fans have really loved it. People that aren't Star Wars fans have really enjoyed it. It's something that I feel like has finally transcended that, oh, well, you have to be a Star Wars fan to watch this new Star Wars thing. Um, the Mandalorian, everyone goes into, uh, and we'll try not to spoil a lot, but I feel like it'll be hard to. Um, so just spoiler alert, if you haven't watched The Mandalorian, uh, you might want to skip through this part. I don't know. But you you get into it because all you know about it. That I remember watching that very first episode. Oh, this guy looks like Boba Fett. I guess there's I, I didn't know a lot about it, but apparently there's a there's a there's a race that is called the Mandalore, and he is one of them, and it's solely about him. And so you go into it and you're thinking, okay, it's gonna be about this bounty hunter, and that's it. And then the introduction of Baby Yoda, which then we come to know as Grogu in the second season, which I think is a great name. Um, it's not as as uh, good as Baby Yoda, which the show never calls him Baby Yoda. They always refer to him as the child. But there is so much there. I mean, you have John Favreau, who is a very talented director, um, and he has the reins. And I think a lot of people would say, hey, if you're going to do anything else Star Wars, just give it to him. Let him have it, and he'll, he'll make it work. Um, the Mandalorian is is pretty close to, you know, the right after the original trilogy, correct? Four years. Four years. Okay. So uh, it, it kind of picks up there in that, in that kind of timeline. Um, and there aren't a lot of tie-ins to the original trilogy until, of course, the second season. Um, but it's, it's beautifully done. The sound, the cinema, uh, it's, it's hard not to like it. And it's the perfect, you know, we, we, we cashed in on Baby Yoda. AY2K cashed in on Baby Yoda. I won't, I won't hide hey, it. Was it was a big cash grab. Yeah, we cash yeah. grabbed. We got a lot of views. We did an episode and we just talked about Baby Yoda for like an hour. Okay. So sure. easy to do. I, but here's the thing is Disney Plus clearly knew that they had something that was going to be in sens a sensation. They hit it, right? Because they didn't have, you know, the, <laughs> the toys and the, and the other things that would come out to allow them to make more money uh, on, you know, the child Grogu baby Yoda. Um, and it just, it was, it was really cool to see. I mean, I don't know how else to say it. The entire first season beautifully done. Um, the second season, usually you have a sophomore slump with shows. I think it was as good, if not better than that first season. Um, what are you guys' thoughts on the Mandalorian? Because clearly I feel like, it's kind of been a redemption for the Star Wars franchise after the uh, public outcry about the sequel trilogy. I think I'll, I'll take the first point on this one, first of all, and I, I want to tie it back to an earlier part of the podcast. I think we learn a little bit about Order 66 with Grogu's uh, arrival. Once you determine, like we know Grogu is kind of in his early 50s, which according to the Yoda race, which we still do not have a name for, by the way, there's myth and theory about all of that but yoda's race and uh, yaggle so to speak that's set on the jedi council uh in the uh, prequels you don't you don't really know uh much about that race at all it's a very mysterious race and so to hear that grogu 
was removed from Coruscant, uh, the city planet uh, under siege in, in the in the heart of uh, the the prequels. To hear that he was removed from the Jedi Temple before Order sixty six or as Order sixty six was happening, always oh, is, is amazing. That is sensational. That that ties us back fifty years almost as him as a as a, as an infant, so to speak, and he's already extremely young. I mean, the expectation is that Grogu will live to be in the 700, 800, 900 range. Yoda lived to be 958, I think. Check my math on that one. I, yeah, I <clears> won't <throat> be able to confirm that, but we'll just yeah. go with it. Con- con- <laughs> confirm, deny. Yeah. So that part is extremely cool. But I, I think the other part about it that has been extremely, extremely terrific uh, is that the Mandalore, Mandalorian has done such a great job in being not only its own standalone story, but also been able to tie loosely, ever so loosely, uh, not only to the Skywalker saga, but to what we know to be the current theme uh, around Return of the Jedi. The, the second season of The Mandalorian gives more strength to Return of the Jedi than any movie in the, in the, in the entire saga. Um, I'll say that if you, you don't even, don't even show me the second season, right? Just look at the first season. I was hooked because it's Star Wars. I'm going to watch it. It was the Mandalorians who, you know, if we don't look at the Mandalorian yet, have been loosely shown. We saw them in the Clone Wars. We saw them with, in Rebels. And we're seeing this race that has now become more prominent. You know, Django Fett, Boba Fett, we saw them originally. We're seeing this race force. I'm more interested in it because I don't, it's something I don't know about as much. But the big thing for me was I love Westerns. I love Westerns. Tombstone is my favorite movie, all right? And it was really portrayed at first to be like this Star Wars Western. So I was hooked from that. And it started off like that hugely with that, that first – I remember that first episode was just really like him coming to the cantina, like a saloon, and just – and it keeps, it keeps that alive a lot of times with that kind of Western kind of feel. For sure, yeah. But it does a great job at that. And it was so – what makes it so good is we've – We've followed this, this family in this series for so long, knowing, though, that there's so much out there. And it's that first taste of there's some still good stories that don't have to be, you know, at first, don't have to be about the Jedi, don't have to be about. Now, does it get into that? Absolutely. And it's completely fine with me because it's great. But it's just like there are other characters out there that don't want to be force wheelers to be good characters, to be impactful in the universe. And they do that really good with Din. And he's just the mysterious. It was just, when it first came out, it was just so plain, but it was so good. Like, it was just like, here's this guy. He's a lone wolf guy. He's got this honor. He's got whatever. And he's just going around in what is this westernish kind of Star Wars lore and in a weird part of the timeline. We haven't been around in a lot. And it's just him, like, slowly uncovering, like, us learning so much or watching it. And it's, it's just, it made it good. And Baby Yoda is just awesome. Yes, right. It was course. just like it was so out of left field, but now it, to us it just makes so much sense. Like you just can't not think with Baby Yoda in that show. And I like yeah, I absolutely. mean that first season. You said there's. I mean, I don't know exactly how you worded it, but there isn't a lot to it other than that initial uh, you know story, right? You don't see you know other characters being thrown in. It's all original to that story of the Mandalorian. Um, and then you know the second season, you start getting some spices thrown in there, right? You get some cayenne pepper. And you bring in some some old characters from Star Wars uh, that, again, uh, any any death in Star Wars does not seem permanent. Uh, I think that's one thing that you can confirm. Um, there are a lot of great moments in The Mandalorian, and I think that that kind of is showing because they had so much success with that first season. 
right? That now the future of Star Wars, I don't think they have to sit down and make another trilogy. They've, they've realized, okay, what we can do is focus in on a certain character. Like if Luke went to a bar one time and he got, you know, some kind of drink, like we can do a character on that bartender. All right. So we can, we can do a whole series on that bartender. Now that's, that's kind of a stretch or maybe you could go back and do you know, a documentary on the Cantina band, something like that, right? You can do all these different things that you never realized could be stories that people would like to, to hear about. But now with the success of the Mandalorian, they have rolled out at least, I don't know how many new shows, eight to 10 new shows in the next two years. Um, it seems like that's where Star Wars is going. Now, I know there are some talks of, uh, you know, maybe, maybe another trilogy, maybe some other movies. Um, but how do you guys feel? Like, I mean, it, it does seem like, we're, we're transitioning from, okay, we don't have to make a movie to tell a story. We can, we can kind of transition into this whole show thing, which I think is another uh, testament to that switch from, you know, going to the movies to streaming platforms being a little bit more popular. So it seems like Disney and Star Wars is kind of, uh, I don't know, adapting to that environment. So how do you guys feel about the future, all these new shows that are coming out? Well, the beautiful thing about it, and it, it, it's, I'm going to take a point from you here and roll with it. <clears throat> You, you talk about no death is permanent. Spoiler, Boba Fett returns. Um, in the original expanded universe, Boba Fett actually survived. Um, the Sarlacc pit, I mean, it takes over 9,000 years to, I mean, every everybody knows that. That's a Jeffrey everybody, question. Yeah. yeah, it takes over 9,000 years to be digested in the pit of the Sarlacc. Well, in the original expanded universe, Boba Fett actually survives by tricking the Sarlacc, blasting himself out of it, and being rescued by Dengar who is waiting for him on Tatooine, Dengar being one of the other bounty hunters in Empire Strikes Back, uh, takes takes him and they've saved Slave 2 off to the side. Like Slave 2 is his second starship. Now, of course, now with the new reconstituted Star Wars, we have a different storyline in which we meet Boba Fett again, uh, played by the original Jango Fett. So it's great that they're bringing that in uh rest in peace to mr bullock the original boba fett uh, who just passed away a couple of weeks ago so you know in, in this situation uh no death is permanent but you can dive right into these old old stories that used to exist and now are being reconstituted as new material uh, boba fett's return uh, I, I mean you know i knew it right away in that very first episode of season two when they cut to the silhouette They've killed the crate dragon in the ancient, you know, Junlin wastes. You know, uh, Timothy Oliphant was terrific in that first episode. He's, they saved the town. That's a throwback to Clone Wars and Life Debt and a couple of books by Chuck Wendig. But I'll let nerds and fans go dig those sure. out themselves. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you see the silhouette of Boba Fett. And I knew right away, as soon as I saw the Gaffy stick, the uh, Tusken Raider weapon out of his back. Oh my gosh, that's him. That is that is Boba Fett, and he is freaking back. I knew right away at that point they had already rumored we were going to make a show. You know, Disney had had long alluded in the last couple of years we're going to make a show about Boba Fett. And spoiler, now it's coming in 2021. So that to me was the exciting part about the Mandalorian. We can stay with Din Djarin. You know, we can talk about you know, what the, what the Mandalorian means and, and, you know, what Grogu is and maybe even now Luke and Ahsoka, but even Ahsoka now getting her own show as fans have long awaited her return after her disappearance with a fight uh, with uh, Anakin Skywalker. So just a lot, a lot of moving parts. 
and I love the way that that is headed uh, in the Disney universe. Uh, I think as a Star Wars fan, right, loving Star Wars, whether it's really good or really bad, there is no – it's not bad news to know that Star Wars is still going to be here for a while. I think, I think what they're talking about is the game plan is that basically eventually – Every week, something Star Wars will be airing, whether it be this show, this show, this show, right? So we're getting it constantly, which is completely different than what we started on with, which was a trilogy, you know, in the 70s and 80s, and then not seeing it ever again until, you know, the 2000s, 90s, you know, ever. So I think that's awesome. Uh, and I think that, and I, this is just me being blunt, is that Dave Filoni you know, and John Favreau and George Lucas, like, they're the people right now. And I think that as long I'm okay with all of these shows in the future, I just want them to be a part of it. All right. The minute you take those guys out of it, I'm, I'm getting nervous about it because those guys clearly do a great job. Uh, the Mandalorian, the Clone Wars rebels, like all of those, you know, whichever ones they each do, they do really well. And so I, I'm hopeful in all that, as long as they're in it, I'm still going to watch any of it regardless because it's star Wars. I'm going to watch it. I will just say this. The only problem I have with any of this, the only problem with The Mandalorian, the only problem I have with any of these shows is the sequel trilogy. And it's just always, I watch these shows. It's, and I'm not talking about Ray this time. Okay. Like, right. But I'm just saying the only time I ever get upset with these shows is the fact that they feel like they have to pay homage to those future movies. Because like in the timeline it's in, we're not to the sequel trilogy yet. Like, you know, and a little bit, spoilers of The Mandalorian is that, they kind of show Snoke and the fact that they're trying to clone Pal Like the fact that they fed the sequel trilogy, I got upset about that because I'm just like, I really know they probably won't, but I want them to just completely retcon them. Anyway, the fact that they feel like they have to go in the direction of those movies gets sure. me sad because I'm thinking the whole time, I know the end game of all these storylines is that that still is going to happen. And that's right. technically the end of the story as far as we know it right now, because in the timeline, that's the farthest thing away. So that makes me sad. But at the same time, it's still Star Wars, and I don't know what they're going to do after that. They could still retcon. They could still change things. Who knows? Ahsoka, time travel, I don't care. I, know, I don't like time travel cop-outs. If they were ever going to do one, I would be okay with it here. But it's still Star Wars. If it's those three guys doing it, I'm okay with it. If they sure. start giving it to a bunch of other directors – now, I don't mind if different directors do every episode like they did in The Mandalorian. That was fine. But if they keep doing it kind of how they did – like, I don't hate J.J. Abrams – but them giving it to a bunch of different people, not having a solid foundation with a certain group of people, heard it. If they do that, I'm all for it, all right? But they just got to keep the guys that everyone wants, all right? No one, no one has asked for anybody else with those guys. So I would be upset if they ever thought about grabbing someone else. You've got, you've got shows coming out. Uh, it's like the Rangers of the New Republic. Uh, you guys have mentioned the Ahsoka show that's coming out. My, my favorite that I'm looking forward to, uh, one of my favorite characters, like I mentioned earlier, the Obi-Wan Kenobi series with Hayden Christensen coming back as Darth Vader. I can't even imagine how good that's going to be. Uh, you've got Star Wars, The Bad Batch, Visions, Willow. Um, you've got all of these different shows. And the only thing that I'm worried about regarding this is they saw the success of The Mandalorian they said, people really like this. Let's go and make a ton of it. Now, can the Star Wars universe or the way that they're distributing it now get become oversaturated? Can you put too much out? If, it's, if you're trusting these other directors like that's pointed out, is it going to be the quality that Jon Favreau and uh, Filoni have been able to do with The Mandalorian? I, I think that they realize that that could happen and they're, they're hopefully taking steps uh, to kind of combat that. But it, it, it is something that I feel like, oh, The Mandalorian did really well. Let's go make eight other shows, and people will like that just as much as The Mandalorian. 
you, I, I would go ahead and say that the Mandalorian has not been criticized that much. So it might open up to, oh, well, you know, this episode of this new series that came out is not as good as the Mandalorian. Everything's going to be uh, comparable to, I feel like, that, that first Disney Plus show that came out. So uh, I think that each thing, uh, you know, like we've kind of talked about, uh, is compared to the thing that's come before it. So, uh, of course, the Mandalorian is a little bit different not being compared to the original trilogies and things like <laughs> that. But now that you've got this sh these shows that are coming out, they're all going to be compared to one another. Um, so hopefully the uh, quality of those things that are coming out are going to continue to be good. But like that said, um, it seems like every, like, you know, every week a Star Wars episode of something is going to come out. So for those Star Wars fanatics, they're going to be thrilled. Uh, for the people that are, you know, just casual Star Wars fans, um, it might take, uh, you know, hey, this, this series is really good. You should watch it. I, I, it's it's going to be interesting to see how everything plays out. There's so much promised. Um, but it is going to be interesting to see them in the coming years if it holds up, if they continue to add on, or if they take away. Uh, those are things that we're going to look at. But Star Wars itself is very much alive, um, and I, I think that's the most exciting part. So we have been talking for quite some time, guys. Um, any closing thoughts on Star Wars in general? Because we have, I feel like we covered all the bases, and I know that we've still left a lot out. But any closing starts, or any closing thoughts on Star Wars in general? Two things that I think that I'm really excited about are Rogue Squadron and uh, Andor, uh, two of the new shows that are going to come out. I, I'm really, really, really excited uh, about where uh, Patty Jenkins can probably take Rogue Squadron. That's a series of books uh, that occur, most of them after Return of the Jedi, but inter interspersed all throughout the saga, uh, all after the destruction of the second Death Star. And then Andor, Rogue One, and Solo, which we didn't really give a ton of love here, but I'll just quickly mention. I thought Rogue One and Solo were absolutely fantastic. Uh, Solo wasn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but I really, really enjoyed it. I just thought it was a rip-roaring good time. Well, uh, I'm, I got and I'm excited to see, uh, I, I, the name has lost me, but Lando's. Lando. Lando yeah. is Lando, getting his own yeah. show. Uh, Donald yeah. Glover reprising his role. Um, I'm really excited to see that, but sorry, go ahead. I, I no, 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 no. I think that's a great point. That's kind of what I wanted to close with is, uh, is that, that while we're still going to be able to look back at some old characters uh, that are our beloved, I'm, I'm wearing a t-shirt right now with R2-D2. I would, I mean, we're going to get a droid show where it's C-3PO and R2-D2 basically taking another droid under their wing. R2-D2 is one of my favorite characters in the entire Star Wars saga outside of Luke Skywalker, because R2 is one of the most trusted droids in the entire universe. He's been around for almost all of it. He's seen all of it through that little, weird, little wiggling capsule. Yes. And this little, the little smart ass that he is, he's, <laughs> he's amazing. And he, he has everything documented. And he just, every time I, I was, a, if I were a bad guy in Star Wars, I'd be like, kill that droid like yeah. that droid's been that droid knows everything he knows too much yes yeah he knows too much but i i totally digress i think andor i think lando i think rogue squadron these are the kind of stories that are going to start coming from star wars the bad batch is going to be like this ragtag it's a cartoon that's going to be based kind of off of clone wars it's going to be this ragtag bunch of you know trooper units that are like oh hey order 66 this is weird as hell why is this happening uh, and we're going to get like Tarkin revisited. Um, one of my other favorite things about what's happening in the Star Wars universe is, you know, I've got a stack of books that I haven't read yet. I'm, I, I'm a big Star Wars fan and I just can't read them all. 
I just haven't had time. And that's where I think this universe is headed. I, I agree with you, Thad, in the sense that maybe it's going to, it's going to lead back to that, that sequel trilogy that is so divisive, so civil. Uh, it does create a lot of civil war type battle situations where like, why, why did this happen? Why was it the creative direction? But all of the things that are going to help fill in the rest of the timeline, we still have a, we have a high Republic timeline that's been announced now by Disney. That's going to be 300 years prior to everything. Um, the just the possibilities are limitless, and that's again, I'll, I'll iterate it to the day that I die. My favorite part about Star Wars is that the story is never finished being told ever, 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 ever. Um, I think some closing remarks one would be, and this is just because this is a good shout to Adam Redford. We had a conversation the other day, we are pumped about Obi Wan because I am so pumped if they're going to tackle the PTSD. I mean, the dude had a really sad life, if you think about it. Oh, you yeah. know, he, lo he lost his master. He lost the love of his life. He lost, you know, his, his brother, basically, to the dark side. I'm sure he's got a lot of guilt in his life. He also hid his feelings away because he really put a lot of effort in the Jedi Order, which is now gone. And I think I hope he's really going to reconcile with all these things that he has never come to grips with emotionally. And I can't wait to see that. Um, I, I think I, my only fear, I just really hope that, Star Wars is special right now. You know, it was special because it only came every so often. Um, now that it's coming out every week, I hope that specialness doesn't go away. But looking at, like, the Clone Wars and Rebels, like, even their animated shows, I don't think people here realize how good they are. And I think the Clone Wars TV show completely changes the prequels for me, seeing the, the, the Jedi, how conflicted they are, how hypocritical they are. Like, it really changed the perspective of what the Jedi were like back then, how corrupt they were, regardless. There's so much Star Wars out there now that it's still not too late to get on board with it. Um, regardless if you like fantasy or whatever like that, I mean, you can, no one can deny the, the popularity of Star Wars. The, it, it's going to be a historical thing. A hundred you know, years from now, Star Wars will be a very historical thing regardless. It is just, no, there's, no, there's not many franchises that are able to produce and do what it has done over the last decades, decades. Right. And I just think regardless, everyone needs to take a chance and give it a shot because it's just one of those things. It's it's everyone's going to remember it forever. And you can either be on board with that or not be on board with that, whatever. I think it deserves a chance because it's just historically it's going to be significant. It's just a historically significant thing. And there's just so much to be excited about. And regardless, even if things get worse, if things get worse and don't go well, there's still the good stuff to fall back on. And I'm OK with that. And they're still making great video games. Fallen Order, great game. One of the best games I've probably ever played. Sure. And uh, there's just a lot to do. And there's a lot that's already been done. So, you know, can they mess it up? Maybe. But it doesn't take away what they've done before. So there's a lot of optimism there. And, the and I start, hate Ray. Yeah, Ray. okay. Well, <laughs> you, you have to double down on that. Actually, quadruple down. I mean, I give her a yellow lightsaber. Now she's cool. This is stupid. Whatever. Okay. All right. Well, Thad, you can uh, hear your grievances somewhere else because we have right. given enough time to this. Star Wars itself will stand the test of time. You're exactly right. And uh, if you're someone that listened to three Star Wars fans ramble about Star Wars uh, for this long, then I'm sure you are excited about all the content that is to come, and uh, you can dive into that uh, where it's available. But uh, Ed, Thad, thank you for joining this uh, special episode of AYN2K. It's coming out on Christmas. It's a Christmas present for Star Wars fans. Hopefully. Wow. Um, I think that'll be really nice. Um, so go ahead, and uh, I, I will go ahead and say that there is a giveaway. I'm just going to plug that real real quick. So 
We talked about it in the episode that came out earlier this week. Um, if you want to get in on the AY 2K giveaway, it's for that period after Christmas where you're like, ah, Christmas is over, and now there's a new year coming up. Did I do enough this year? All of those thoughts, just slam them into the <laughs> AY 2K giveaway, right? So email us at all you need, the number two no zero zero at gmail.com. Uh, it's on our social media and everything. Just say, hey, I won in the giveaway. If you email us, it'll count as five entries. Now, whenever we announce it on social media, it'll just be a one-time thing if you retweet and follow and all that stuff that we're going to do to try to you know get more fans and all that because uh, we're always trying to grow the brand right um you can do that as well uh at that i will say you guys cannot enter uh through email okay but if you guys wanted to do it through social media that i know you're part of the ay2k i guess uh team so maybe i'll give you something for free i don't know but yeah, I appreciate that. Some exciting news. I just I thought that it. I would include that in for people that are listening. Um, but thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, Ed and Thad, again, you guys did great. I'm glad that I had you guys here because you guys went uh, way in depth. And I know there's a lot that we didn't get to. Maybe uh, next year we can try again and get it and really dive into lightsabers and, and different characters and things like that and, and the physics of everything, right? That would be interesting to talk about for this long. But we've talked enough today. That's going to do it for this episode of All You Need to Know. My name is Quinn Eaton. Uh, I'm Thad Buchanan. And I am Edward Marlowe. It's and been that's fun. All you need to know about Star Wars. This has been All You Need to Know. If you have a topic you would like to hear about, message us on Twitter or Facebook or send us an email at all you need the number two no zero zero at gmail.com. Rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, and tune in every Wednesday because here at AYN2K, we've got you covered.